Hey everyone, it's Adrian Pinozo here with Executive Properties Capital. We are continuing to grow here and I want to reach out to everybody listening there. If you know any licensed realtors that have a passion to invest in real estate, have a passion to work with investors and um, right from duplexes all the way to, you know, 50 unit apartment buildings, please have them reach out to me. We have a program here in our company, like no other company where, and I can shed some details on all this, uh, you know, over a digital coffee, for example, or, or come in and let's have a coffee at the office together. But our program here working on our team allows our agents to build their portfolio quickly and easily with none of their own money, just by being an agent on our team. And I'd love to share some more details about that. So if you're a licensed realtor or you know somebody that's a licensed realtor and has, you know, a real passion to work with investors and investment properties, please send them my way. Give them my contact information. Send me an email, adrian at investwithepc.com. Love to connect with them and tell them all about our program, how we can work together. Let's have a coffee. I'm, I'm sure and I'm more than positive that um, the information I can share will definitely be um, very exciting for them. Anyways, on that note, let's get right into the interview. Got a super, super guest here today. Let's bring him on in. Uh, all right. So everyone, it's Adrian Pinozo again with the More to Life Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we help you get more to life and start living your dreams through the power of investing in real estate. Super excited today. We have a man with many traits with us. He's a speaker. He's a mentor. He's a real estate expert. The author of Real Estate Secrets Exposed, The Truth About Canadian Wholesaling. He's the co-found, he co-founded Cashflow Tribe, the largest private mortgage company in southwestern Ontario, to educate young families, serve and make home ownership possible. On that note, this gentleman is also a musician. Ben continues to empower and inspire real estate investors all over Canada to align their mindset, find their purpose, and educate them on how to create and generate wealth. The man, the myth, the legend, Ben Humble. Welcome to the More to Life Real Estate Investing Podcast. Ben, how are you? Hey, brother. I'm really well. So good to be here with you today. Let's Let's kick some butt, man. Let's help some folks. Yeah, let's get it going. Where are you right now? I'm in uh, California. Uh, we're just Our team is uh, growing, doing events, putting things together, just living life, more to life than this money thing. Uh, so we're just so thankful to be out here and you know helping real estate investors all across North America build their empires one person at a time. So that's where we're out here. We're out here getting it going, helping people, and putting an amazing event together the next few days. Amazing. Yeah, man. So your life before moving to Canada, a lot of people don't know about that, but uh, didn't you live in Romania when it was still under communist rule and whatnot? Can you tell us a little bit how you, how that unfolded and what kind of person that made you and that journey from that to where you came to Canada? Yeah, to understand who I am, you have to understand where I came from. So I was born in a communist country. Uh, my father and mother decided they wanted more for their family than just being told what to do, how to do, what to believe, when to believe. 
And dad made a decision at the age of 26, 27, that he was just going to flee. So in the middle of communism, with all of the rules and, and oppression imposed upon them, mom and dad grabbed their kids. So they had five kids at the time. They grabbed the kids that they could carry, and they ran for the border. And they had to leave a couple of kids behind. Uh, they left them with a neighbor. And that was the beginning of our life. We spent a year and a half in a refugee camp in Austria before finally uh, finding some type of asylum and status in Canada where we eventually landed. Yeah, they had no choice but to leave some kids behind with a neighbor in Romania. And we fled across the border. It took three days to make the journey. It was a carefully organized caravan of three or four other kind of smaller families. And we ran together. We hid, we hid during the day and we would run across the borders at night. And, you know, it got so bad that my sister had to drink puddle water because they just ran out of milk and supplies along the way. So it was a very extreme journey. Many families that attempted that, frankly, most of them didn't, didn't run with kids. It was usually the husband, the father leaving, and then they would come back later, hopefully for the wife, assuming they didn't get captured or killed in the process. But that was, that was the risk my parents were willing to take. They're, they're parents uh, of faith, and for them it was, you know, God's got bigger plans for their life than just being stuck in a communist society. So that left a massive impression in my mind from a very early age, watching my father make those kind of decisions. It taught me something very important about life, that you ultimately are in charge of your decisions. You're in charge of your future if you decide to be accountable to the opportunities in front of you. So that, to me, led a very, very specific conviction in my mind that I've, I've carried since a very young age. So I'm, a, I'm an intense guy. I'm a person who focuses a lot of intention in the things that I do. And that level of conviction is basically my words have to match my actions. That's the way that I view conviction. So in a time when people get oppressed and scared and fearful, I go, that's an immature response. So I'm almost, I'm almost battle tested, if you will. That's just kind of how I started. And that developed in my mind over the years. And I think it's helped me really uh, solidify my financial future, my emotional state of mind, my health, my wealth, but also help me understand other people empathetically and help them push through the same journey. So for me, it's a, it's a gift and I'm thankful for having gone through the adversity, which I've been able in my life to turn into a weapon of change, not a weapon of destruction. Weapon of change. Amazing. So what made you realize that you wanted to develop a growth mindset, like, and I think you touched upon that, but that growth, that abundance growth mindset, what made you realize, I guess, going through all that, whatever you, let's call it all that shit. How did that really influence you to take it to? So it's easy uh, for me, in my mind, it's a very basic, I'm not the smartest guy. If you leave me alone and don't impose on my things, my beliefs, my future, I'm a pretty easygoing person. When I feel imposed upon by anybody, society, a group of people, a government or a person, I immediately go back to that very much conviction brain that just get out of my way. I'm going to do it by myself. So I grew up as a musician. I wanted to play music. I went to university for music for a couple of years at uh, University of Windsor in Canada. And I realized halfway through that the program I was in was actually geared towards uh, becoming a, a music teacher, like in a high school. And uh, the lady said to me, my instructor, she said, you're, you're the most talented, laziest kid I got. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? She said, you got all this talent and all this energy behind you, but you're not practicing. And I realized very quickly why, because I didn't want to follow a certain set of rules. 
I didn't want to have to follow the, the curriculum and the thing that led to the outcome. I said, let me just create my own rules. So for me, Adrian, I didn't jump into business because I had this savvy desire to make a tremendous amount of wealth. It was, I wanted to play music on my own terms. So I dropped out of university as a rebellion to go, I'm just going to go build my own financial future so I don't have to rely on somebody else paying me to do the thing that I love. So this week, as I get to play music and do things I'm truly passionate about, it's because I'm passionate about it. So that's what it was for me. It led to a very intense, I'm going to master money so that nobody could control the decisions I make for the rest of my life. Because that seemed to be the one determining reason why I kept pursuing things like school. It was because I wanted a safe financial future for me and my family. So that's what it was. So I determined a very black and white view of money. Our purpose is to use money as an instrument, as a tool, but we need to master it so we can unlock the rest of our lives. Our free thinking, our creativity, and the things that we really desire. Nobody, I believe, in my mind, nobody actually just wants to make money. Money's an empty thing. Money's supposed to do something. It's got to unlock something. And that's what, I've, that's what I've come to realize over the years, is that if you master the game of money, then you have one less impediment to doing the things that you're called to do. So that's how I got into real estate, dude. It was always a way, it was a means to an end. I said, let me master this thing. And I found real estate as to be the, the most basic business that I could understand. You know, the first thing I did when I dropped that was a cleaning company. Started cleaning floors, scrubbing shit. That's what I did. And it wasn't glamorous, but it taught me, it taught me the value of putting in the, the effort to develop some kind of skills, people skills. I learned basic accounting. I had to as a small business service owner. And from there, I just started reading books and going to courses and seminars. I would pay 500 bucks to go anywhere to learn. And somebody said, real estate. I read one passage that said, if you want to become wealthy and a millionaire, you buy a million dollars worth of real estate, and then you allow other people to pay it off. Those people are called tenants. And I thought, that's brilliant. I think it was in one of the Rich Dad books. And I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm buying real estate. I'm letting somebody else pay it off. And that was literally... Adrian, that's all I knew, bud. I didn't have anybody else in my life mentoring me on real estate. Nobody in my family was financially wealthy. I had no, no, no business owners in my family, no real business owners. It was just this desire to conquer this thing called money. Amazing. So you mentioned you dropped out of university and you bought your first, correct me if I'm wrong, you bought your first place at the age of 21. Is that right? Yeah, I bought a duplex, so I'm doing the cleaning thing. And, dude, I'm cleaning the worst places. You know, like, everybody likes going to Toys R Us, and so you're the guy who has to clean the carpets after all the kids come in and spit on it, and, you know, whatever they do on it all day. So I'm cleaning carpets at Toys R Us, and this is in Canada. I'm scrubbing floors at Shoppers Drug Mart. I'm lending some good-sized kind of corporate accounts, and I'm working in the evenings, and during the day, I had nothing to do but just figure out how to make more money. And I, I, I joined a local B&I business networking group, and it's just a small little club where people have lunch once a week. And yeah. I joined this thing and I found a guy who was a mortgage broker. So I said, how does this thing work? And I said, if I buy you lunch, can you explain how this works? So I bought him lunch. He explained how it works. And he said, hey, man, I have this duplex, kind of a chunky property. I fixed it up a bit, but I don't really want it or need it. If you want it, you know, I'll sell it to you and I'll help you go get a mortgage. So I said, okay, let's do that. I went to TD Bank. They said, nope, not getting more. You don't have enough income. You don't have enough credit uh, history. You know, you have a small cleaning service that makes 50 grand a year. Like, you're not getting income. So he said, there's B lenders and C lenders and private lenders. And when he said private lenders, I said, what's that? And he walked me through how a private lending deal works. 
And a couple months later, I closed on that very duplex on Lincoln Road in Windsor at 21. And by the time I purchased the property, I had tenants already in the main floor. I was paying $156 per month plus utilities to live on the second floor. And as soon as I closed that deal and got my first month's worth of rent, Adrian, I said, this is the move right here. So for the next five years, I would continue to clean carpets, continue to scrub floors, but start buying real estate. Bought the second place six months later, I bought the third place less than a year later, and then 2009 hit. And it was one of the greatest financial seasons of my life because it gave me tremendous opportunity. Tell us about that, this, this tremendous 2009 opportunity, how it completely changed and I guess took it to the next level. Yeah, again, I, I read the passage here. I think it was Warren Buffett. He said, well, everybody's doing this. You need to do this. Everybody's going left. You go right. And, you know, I started evaluating homes because I was learning how to buy single family homes and small duplexes. I had three properties at the time. 2008, I got married. I bought another duplex. So I was just going to buy duplexes for as long as I could get them. And I started noticing the prices went from 120, 130, 140,000 down to 70, 80,000. I said, hold on. Something's happening. 50,000, 40,000. I found one single family home that they were asking $39,000 taken back by CMHC, Canada Mortgage Housing, and nobody could sell this thing. And I walked in, I said, I'll give you guys 29 grand. And I didn't have 29 grand. I mean, I didn't, I couldn't go bore anymore. I was already like maxing out with the privates that I had access to. And uh, I went to my mother-in-law and I said, listen, I need this house. You know, I, I need 29,000 bucks. It's cheaper than a used Honda. I need this house. I will work there. I will fix it. I would see, I had no problem cleaning crap. That's my life lesson for myself. Is I went from a talented, relatively lazy kid to a super hardworking kid who was okay cleaning crap and whatever you could think of just to make it happen. So I remember my mother-in-law gave me the money. I ended up buying it for 25,000 bucks. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, I was there, my father-in-law was there, my dad was there, my brother was there. Even the tenants I convinced to go there and paint their own walls for 500 bucks off the rent. I was going to do whatever it took in 2009 to start buying real estate. And I bought one in 2009, and because of the sheer momentum of that, I bought 10 more in 2010, and then 13, and then 26, and every year I started accelerating. The most houses I purchased in one year in Canada was 65. 65 houses in one year. Whereabouts in Canada? Uh, all over southwestern Ontario, Windsor, London, Chatham, Kent County, primarily that whole region. And then I started kind of buying some on the kind of east coast and just kind of focused primarily in Ontario and kind of east of Ontario. That was my main region. But we've now purchased about 300 properties in Ontario uh, in the last few years. And that's, that's kind of where we're sitting. And we're still doing deals. But it was that one, you know, I want to I want to capture this for the folks listening. It only took one, one deal with momentum. I think most people, Adrian, they buy the one deal and then they don't really gain momentum. They're just waiting for the next one. They're going back to the TV bank. They're going back for that next property with their realtor. What they're not doing is creating massive intentionality behind the portfolio. So in a season where I was buying 10, 15, 20, 30 a year, other people were buying two. And they would tell me why they couldn't buy more. I'm like, well, I'm buying more. So it's, it was literally a matter of figuring out the money, figuring out who can find me properties and be willing to work my ass off to get it. And I think when we take that level of mindset, we develop a resilience. Like, don't tell me I can't buy this deal. Don't tell me there's no deal. Don't tell me I can't find money. 
which has led to today in Canada, one of the most prosperous real estate economies that we've ever had in the last 15, 20 years. It's, it's phenomenal how much capital it is. It's amazing how many deals are out there. And the annual return on investment is through the roof. We're talking mid double digits, 50, 60, 70% per year between appreciation, cash flow, depreciation. And if you consider all the factors, including debt repayment, like it's literally never been a better moment since I started to buy real estate than today. And that's why I get so amped up about this stuff because when people say no, I go to Warren Buffett. Somebody's saying yes. I just, I want to know who. Yeah, absolutely. So on that note, people getting started, right? Obviously you're, you've taken it well beyond to the next level. That's an understatement. Um, people getting started, what's the best advice you can give them? The very first thing somebody should do is ask themselves the question, how bad do I actually want this? And what am I willing to sacrifice to get it? I'm going to be blunt, man. Canadians are very comfortable. And I'm an educator. And I've, I've been in front of tens of thousands of people educating them. And I will tell you, unfortunately, with sadness in my heart, 90% of the people that listen to shows like this will never buy 100-plus properties. They're just never going to do it. We're in a very comfortable society. The most important ingredient in you succeeding is you. And you have to sacrifice something. Your time your money, relationships, your bad mood. You got to sacrifice your laziness. Otherwise, I can help you create a very kosher, very nice, you know, retirement bundle, make a million bucks or two million bucks. That's fine. But if you want to generate real generational wealth, you're going to have to sacrifice. So the most important ingredient, Adrian, is the person. Because the problem with education is information doesn't do anything. Only applied information works. If you don't apply it, I can give you all the tactics in the world. That is the most rookie mistake that I've seen in my, in my history here is everybody wants the tactic. And the problem is you're just not going to do it. You're not going to go and join the BNI and clean carpets and, and figure stuff out. So the greatest question I have is how resourceful are you willing to become? If you're willing to become resourceful, then there's no limit to how many deals. If you're looking for the silver bullet, the silver lining or anything with the word silver in it, then I think you can buy two to three properties a year and you can have an average growth. And, you know, it's a, it's a very good market today, Adrian. So anybody who buys one property can do well. But the reason why I get to travel at 37 years old and have extreme financial independence where I was able to retire my mother, my wife walked away from a multi-six-figure corporate job. The reason we're able to do the things we're doing is because I just bought more than the guy next to me. Volume. So that's the thing. I love immigrants. I love people from adversity. I love people who come from some type of struggle because those people are my favorite. Give me the broken blue collar, you know, uh, person who's got a family and got a massive need. We'll turn that guy into a millionaire or a gal. Doesn't matter to me. I have both. But that's the first thing. I, so you got to hit me back with, give me a tactic. Give me an answer. This is not like a mindset or foo-foo convo. I'm just giving you the blunt truth. The shitty part that nobody comes on the show will tell you is, What's the secret? It literally doesn't matter. That's the shitty part is most people just won't do it. The secret is be willing to eat shit. That's it. If you don't want to eat shit, then you're not going to do it. Simple as that. And that's a tough line to pull. And as an educator, it breaks my heart to see when people come and like they, they want, they want, but they're not willing. And I can throw a million parables at you and Jim Rohn quotes about be, do, have. At the end of the day, you just need to say, I'm going to do whatever, literally whatever, because it's going to be tough. 
So I think that's the answer. Tell me at which speed you want to grow, and I'll give you the answer to how to get there. But don't mistake it. There isn't one speed. There is the humble speed, super intention, multimillionaire in three, four years. That's what I do for people. I do that every single day in our education business. And then I have what we call top of funnel people, which we give them education. We give them training and videos. We charge them 50 bucks a month. And we just allow them to observe and be a part of a community. But I'm not going to kid myself. Most of those people will stay at their job until they retire. Most of those folks will continue to do a couple deals a year. And if one of my core values is transparency, and to me, the truth is far more valuable than my ego or how I'm viewed by people. I'd rather not be like to be respected for delivering truth. So you got to tell me who your audience is, and I'll give you what I think step one and step two is, as long as we understand that without an outcome in mind, without knowing exactly what you want to get out of this, getting into real estate, this is the fallacy. You ready? Every single person who buys real estate will help you get in. Nobody, almost nobody will teach you how to get out. How to build a real sustainable business where you can travel and have your life back. Like we do real estate deals every day and it's just, that's just what it's designed to do. It's designed to make money. It's not designed to rob me of my life and energy perpetually forever. So I think you build a business. The promise is this. If you build a business, you spend two to three years, you get a mentor, you work hard and and you have to work smart. Working hard by itself doesn't work. So I'll give you one tip that I think every single person watching can benefit from. If you're gonna do this real estate investing thing, change your language. Most people are consumers, they're not investors. So people say, I'm an investor. You went to a consumer bank, TD Bank, where they sell you consumer loans because you bought your house for yourself at TD. You would think that TD is designed to help you buy more real estate. TD is not here, and I just mean TD in general. TD, Scotia, TIPP, doesn't matter. They were not designed for you to leverage them to create, to create wealth. What you need to do is this. You need to get away from consuming and build your business on merit, which means it has to be a real estate business. The fundamentals of sales, marketing, operations, finance, those things are actually more important than the fundamentals of real estate. Everybody will tell me they're an investor, but yet, Adrian, you know the story, man. People buy a duplex. They go there every Saturday to work on it. They pick up the rent once a month. They run around the property. And I'm like, that's not investing. That's called a small business owner. So if you treat it like a business, then I think you'll uncover the greatest truth about how to buy hundreds of deals. If you treat it as an investor, then you're going to go and save up your 20% down, go to your job with your after-tax dollars, buy one property a year, make sure investing is me taking money, deploying capital, and getting a return. It's not grinding every day. So Adrian, the biggest advantage, I think, for people is change your language. Change your language. You get really serious about what you're trying to do. I don't know. Does that help? Does that bring some clarity? Absolutely. 100%. Tell me, um, there's obviously so many different strategies that you've, you've probably used throughout the years and building this empire that you have. Why is your favorite wholesaling? Or is your favorite wholesaling for that matter? All right, so Adrian, I can see that wholesaling isn't actually my favorite strategy. Wholesaling means nothing to me. I wrote a book out of clarity and wholesaling is the kind of word that people are so curious and confused about. Wholesaling to me is just the front end of a deal if i can simply help you capture equity in a real estate deal equity equals options so meaning i can wholesale the deal i can sell the contract i can put it on the mls instantly with no work and sell it for fair market value i can take the deal down and do a full rehab and sell it to a retail buyer or i can keep it as a cash flow producing asset so i believe wholesaling is one of those and it's basically marketing to find off market deals that really is the 
strategy is just to capture some equity. Whatever you do to capture. Uh, otherwise, for me, it's cash versus cash flow. So one of the processes that I teach is about creating an active business that spits out 10, 20, 30, 40,000 every month in cash with wholesaling, with flipping, and what we call wholesaling. And then the profit from those properties, from those deals, you can invest into long-term assets. So you're building a machine that produces cash to cash flow. That to me is one of the ways, the fastest ways we've found to build wealth instead of people taking their after-tax dollars and buying cash-flowing assets. That takes way too long and there's way too many challenges that way. So I believe in building active businesses that produce cash. Cash gets you out of financial constraint, gets you out of mental constraint, and then building cash flow uh, vehicles is really fun. So it basically is this, get rich and then get wealthy. Too many people want to get wealthy, and that creates a lot of constraints. Canadians right now have so much equity in their home. The average Canadian in my blue-collar city of Windsor has about $257,000 of newfound equity. That's, and that's a very cheap city in Canada. So what that means is quarter of a million of equity. There's people with so much equity that are equity-rich and cash flow poor. Right. So if Canadians would wake up and realize that they have untapped assets, and this is the hard part, ready? If you own a property in Canada and you're calling yourself an investor, but you have equity in your home that you haven't reutilized to invest, then you have a 0% return on equity. That makes you a very poor investor. So it's really like, I like to look at resources very much like music and they're different notes to me. If money can come from here, if you redeploy here at a higher rate, we live on what we call the spread. Every Canadian can borrow money at three, four, five, six percent from their property and reinvest that back into active flips, into active landlord deals, or into long-term lending deals. I do a lot of lending in Canada. So we teach people how to move money. So I guess I would fair to say I'm probably more of a money mentor than I am even a real estate mentor. Real estate simply is the vehicle that allows me to move the most amount of money in the safest, more secure way presently in Canada. And that's why I still do a lot of real estate deals. Tell me more about Cashflow Tribe. Give us, give us everything about Cashflow Tribe. Sure. Cashflow Tribe was born out of the realization that most education companies suck. And what I mean by that is they sell education, right? So they're not in the results business. They're in the, I'm going to sell you information business. And unfortunately, we're in the information age. Everything you need as an investor is free on YouTube. Everything. So I don't think it's prudent for anybody to spend money on information. I think that is a waste of money. Because back to my earlier point, they won't do it. So we built Cashflow Tribe to activate people. We built it to create accountability through our mastermind community, to give a bunch of information and support for free. What people truly want is a level of accountability. So we built, which is now the fastest growing Canadian real estate community, focused on results, transparency, impact. Those are three of our core values. And the last one is community. So it really redefined the whole game of real estate investing. So if somebody in Canada wants real tangible results and quick, we're the only Canadian real estate business building program. Everybody else will teach you how to buy these. So I, it's, um, how do I put it nicely? It, it's a big old middle finger to education because I think people really need results, not education. So I'm just not perpetually going to stay in education mode my whole life. I want people to get meaningful results when it comes to this. So it's born out of my own desire and out of my own experiences. So all the strategies, the way we, we talk about real estate isn't some 
thing that happens when you retire, when you're 60, 70, whenever years old, it's something that you do today to create generational wealth for you and your family that allows you to live a life today of abundance, not in 20 years from now. And that's really what it's born. So we've got thousands of members in the community. We run a mastermind in the community and we like to meet people where they're at. Some people are brand new and just want to learn about it. That's great. Other people are ready to do their first deal. Other people are ready to build a small business and quit their job. And other people are ready to build a meaningful business. And we help them do that as well. That's the key differences, man. We're here to serve and help people. We're not here to look cool. We're not here to uh, just sell education. I, I, I think if that's what you want, you should just get it for free. How old were you when you made your first million dollars? I was just over 30 years old. I had a goal to do it by the time I was 30. I was not successful. I did it on December, um, December of my 30th birthday. My wife and I sat down and looked at our budget every single year around Christmas. That was a gift to ourselves as people who are really responsible and frugal with money for the first five, six years. We budgeted every dollar. So as a result, we would sit down annually and look over our net worth statement. And we would like, you know, work up all year to do this one thing. And I remember like, you know, I, I want to make a million bucks. I want to be a millionaire. I want to see how my life's going to change. We have all these big plans and we overshot by about 150 grand. So 1.15 and change million dollars of net worth that I had. And my life did not change one iota. We simply went to bed and didn't buy any of the stuff we dreamed about buying because we realized something that the process of who we became, the grit, the resiliency, the determination, all that stuff, that stuff became a lot more valuable. And then the next million was in within a year and a half and then just millions started happening after that. The first million is the hardest. The first deal is the hardest. The first piece of confidence is the hardest. Momentum. Momentum, it, it unlocks so much more than you realize is possible. Just keep the momentum going. Don't stop. You have to. And at some point it gets harder. This is where mentors come in. So at the beginning, when you just want to run around, you'll be very busy and not that productive. So that's okay. That's what you want to do. You get your first deal, your second deal, your third deal. There'll be a defining moment when you're going to realize that you no longer possess the skills and the awareness to go to deal 10. So people in Canada, they get to deal two, three, and four. And I'm like, okay, from four, you got to go to 15. You got to play way bigger. We have to stop playing singles and start hitting multiples. So the way to do that is to unlock awareness. Okay. What is it going to take for me to go from buying one house every three months to buying three houses a month? What does that look like? How many leads do I need? What kind of capital do I need? What kind of operations do I need? What kind of resources do I need to aggregate? What kind of people do I need in my sphere? So it goes from a very single sport like tennis to turning into a football team. And the faster you're going to build a football team, the faster you're going to put the right players on the field, the more you can scale out the building of your business. But far too many people, we work so hard to be a technician of real estate that we end up becoming the lone ranger investor for a whole life. And, and that's why it's really hard to ever build a meaningful size portfolio is because we're playing basically alone and we don't leverage other people and other resources that are available to us. So that's the turning point for me. At 30, I was basically doing it alone. By 32, I was bringing people to the table. By 33, I had a whole team. By 34, we were doing... 10 deals every month or every other month. And, you know, by 34, 35, we got other people doing the real estate. Where today at 37, I'm very much a passive real estate partner in all the transactions that we do. And we have members all across Canada now that do the active side. And we're the passive partner. We bring the capital, we bring the experience, we syndicate, we do the deal. And 
other people are doing the active work that I did for almost 10 years on my own. They get to do that, but they get to have me as a partner. So that's the pivotal change. From million to multi-million is about how many people are in, in your vicinity. How many intelligent, capable people are you leveraging and working with daily? So there's the answer and <laughs> to your question and maybe a little bit more insight on how to get to the next level. Amazing. So tell us, where's your, where's your uh, net worth now in your portfolio at the, at the young age of 37? Can you say, where's my net worth in my portfolio? What's so in real estate, worth? sorry, one more time. What's your net worth now? And what's the size of your portfolio now? Like, do you have 1,000 units, 3,000 units? or? Yeah, so the real estate is different these days. We actually are, are primarily focusing on building businesses. So okay. I'll get to your question. But my point is, real estate is a double-digit business. Uh, and most people need to realize that once you master real estate, you need to go to other businesses. So you've got more businesses in our portfolio. You've got a media business. You've got a resort business. We've got different things that we've been building that are triple and quadruple digit. So real estate still spits out deals, but we've actually sold most of our inventory in Canada and took advantage of the economic cycle. So we're not in the uh, as many deals as you can buy and own for every game. We're in the cyclical game of real estate investing business ownership. So we've converted uh, what was about 300 deals over into US. We've started buying luxury Airbnbs recently. So we're more about cash flow. And, and liquidity in the business than just how many doors you got. So the net worth is many millions of dollars. You know, we got real estate deals in Canada and the US. Uh, I'm more excited about the companies than I am about the real estate because the companies actually grow faster. The companies actually have more, even more liquidity and more growth opportunities. Real estate is a double digit business if you do it well. But very few people will make 100 million in real estate, but a lot of people can make 5 million but you can make a lot more by leveraging the business acumen from real estate into other things. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I have no, yeah, I have no problem with people that just count doors. I think that's fine. As long as it's productive door counting and there's cash flow at the end of the day, right? right? If you're not producing at least a hundred thousand dollars a month from your doors is a problem. So our real estate is generating multiple six figures a month and that's happening very passively for us on our end. And then we get to invest in other amazing things like education, these things I just described. So that to me is more valuable. If somebody had a joke, if this is a very common thing with Canadian real estate investors, like how many doors do you have? Well, if that was the metric of success, the guy who manages the window and door department at Home Depot has the most doors. That guy's the most successful. Right, right, all right. All right, so coming to the end here, Ben, a uh, couple more quick ones. <clears throat> what is your why? Why do you do what you do? Well, the most honest, transparent answer I have is to live my life. To live my life in peace and harmony under my own accord. Like I'm a free agent of this universe like you, and I'm not going to live it under anybody else's rule. So all of us have to know that we're living it to live a peaceful, meaningful life on earth. Beyond that is to impact people. I'm not altruistic enough to say I live for other people. I'm sacrificing who I am and what I have for others. Because I don't think that's fair. I think people say that as just a, a cool trigger thing. But I live, number one, to fill my own cup. Then to fill the cup of the people immediately next to my family, my wife. And then to fill the cups of my employees, my team members, my communities. Like We've got dozens of employees in the different companies. Everything that I do pours out into their cup and they pour into their cup. And the most meaningful to me is now when our 
members in our education business have made hundreds of thousands, if not a million dollars in their first couple of years of business, and now their families, their communities. So I live to really create a level of impact personally and then externally. The better I am, the more fulfilled and thankful and living in gratitude and humility, which is why I wear this hat, is basically my version of a tattoo. It reminds me to be humble every day and just be thankful. The more grateful I am, the more I see positive impact in other people. So that's my why. My why is to live the absolute best life I can on this earth and not compromise. There's enough wealth, health, happiness. There's enough emotional growth and spiritual growth available to every single person. If you simply just choose and then fight like hell to keep and preserve your rights and your freedoms. So that's my why. My why of life and hopefully inspire other people to do the same. Amazing. So you're obviously very successful now, and we say that relative to how the world views success. But do you think there's still more to life? And when you picture more to life for Ben Humble, what do you see? To me, financial wealth is the lowest form of success. That's why you have to get it out of the way. Because I, I used to spend 80% of my time thinking and obsessing about money to the point where it was an idol in my life. Today, I spend less than 20% of my time thinking about money. Like I, I haven't paid the bills in years. It doesn't matter what things cost anymore. Uh, if we want to build something cool and create something amazing, that's way more valuable than the money that it produces and generates. So to me, what's, money is simply a, a mechanism of speed. The more you have, the faster you're willing to act. I want to go build an amazing community of real estate investors. Who do you think funded all that personally, right? I don't ever need to take an income from that business because we don't do it for the income. We do that for the impact. So we get to have really fulfilling purpose-driven businesses that are way bigger than money. Money is just the symptom. So speed. If I have a million bucks, I can build a way nicer event. Like what we're building this week is going to be a phenomenal experience for a handful of Canadians that we're flying out that we're putting them up at a mansion, that we're doing an incredible experience for them and their growth, their health, their mindset, their business, their relationships. And that's what I live for. So what's more than money is really your personal happiness and fulfillment. Every person has a calling in this life. And if all you ever do is obsess about money, you're going to do what I did. You're going to lose your identity to the idea of more. Moreism. Moreism is the enemy. A bigger house, a bigger car. We have perpetual creep. You make more money, you spend more money. You make more money, you spend more money. You've conditioned yourself to become a slave and an addict to the idea of more. So when I talk about the idea of money, I don't, I don't give a shit if I have a Lambo that sits in my garage, I have a motorcycle, I have cool stuff, I have houses, I have $3 million property in Vegas we just bought last week. None of that stuff means that much. It's just stuff. You can have as little or as much of it as you want. You can have as many nice clothes and things as you want. The question is, have you found a level of fulfillment regardless of all that stuff? So I think you master the game of money so you can change and you can really develop your identity and who you want to be. It's almost like the idea of F you money. The idea of F you money is to really just be yourself. It's not to criticize other people and put them down and somehow you're better than them and somehow you're in a different class of human because you have more financial means than the next person. That's stupid. That's ridiculous. But what it does allow you to do is speak. I want to come here. I'm just going to pay for the whole thing. I want to go and buy a new Lamborghini. I'm just going to pay for the thing. I want to create a new company. I want to hire people. I'm just going to pay for it. I've been self-funding things 
for years. So I think that's my benefit about money. If you look at money as just a means from point A to point B, the more of it you have, the faster you get there. Otherwise, you just retirement. Retirement is a money problem. How much? What does it take to retire? Two, three million, five million? Great. Let's get it out of the way today. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life consumed by this idea that one day I'll live in a position of scarcity where I won't have it. So there's everything to me. Everything in life is more important than money. If you take money seriously, you are fiscally and financially responsible, and you're willing to master the game. If you master the game in five or ten years, the rest of your life is bliss. You get to be who you want to be. If you never master the game, you will perpetually chase more. And you're going to look the part. You're going to try to act the part. But internally, you're going to be unhappy with who you are because you're a chaser. And you're just chasing. And that's why I think, like, I went, I got to tell you in your audience, I went through an identity crisis after I made that million bucks. And I realized how meaningless it was. And what's interesting is I've made more money since then than I know what to spend it on. And I care less about it. It's like anything in life. The more you have available to you, the less significant it becomes. So I've reduced my significance to the idea of money. I've increased the significance around what money can do in the right hands. That's what I've come to realize. So uh, honestly, your relationships, your health, it's that old adage that when you have no money, you spend all of your time and energy pursuing more money. And, and you can do all kinds of stuff and create and build and whatever. But the moment you've lost your health, you would trade every dollar you had to buy it back. So I'm in the belief of and, not or. So to your audience, I would encourage them. You do not have to sacrifice your health like I did for years for more money or your relationships for more money or, or your mindset for more money. You can literally have it all if you take this very serious and you don't let money have power over you. I don't know if that's the answer you're going for, dude, but that's Absolutely. the most honest answer I have is Money is on the lowest of my priorities. No, amazing, amazing advice for people out there and a whole different way to look at things. No, that's amazing, man. That's truly, truly amazing, brother. So, no, thank you so much. That's a wrap. That is a wrap. So, listen, Ben, how do people get a hold of you? How do they find you? They want to connect with you. They want to do business. They want to uh, get on board. How do they find you? Sure. You want to enter my world, humble.ceo. Humble.ceo, enter my world, whether it's education, deal making, inspiration, marriage, help, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to live an inspired life. I have mentors, I have people that inspire me daily, and I try to inspire other people. So that's the best place, humble.ceo. Amazing. All right, my friend. Well, thanks so much uh, for joining us today. Tons of, tons of amazing down-to-earth, relatable stuff that you've given us. And uh, yeah. For all our listeners out there, I'm sure they've uh, gained a lot from it. So I appreciate your time, brother. Enjoy California and uh, all the best and stay safe. Thank you, Adrian. Have a great day. Cheers, bro.